0: Good morning, wonderful to see you all this day. If you're new to our congregation, my name is Rich, I'm the lead pastor here, and if this is your first time, I am thrilled that you're with us, I want to welcome those watching online as well. Uh, This is a week where there's a lot of folks that are uh, out of town and a lot of folks that are in town, and so if you're new to our congregation and you've decided to worship with us, I, I am thankful that you have made that decision uh, we have a special Thanksgiving Sunday today, and before I get into that, I wanted to make a, just a, a couple of uh, announcements. Number one, the Advent season starts next week. It's a time where we focus on on uh, anticipating the, the coming of the birth of Jesus Christ, and it's a time of the church where we uh, place greater emphasis on particular themes of waiting and hope and peace and all of that and joy, and along the lines of that, we have this Advent daily office, which is a a prayer devotional for those of you that are hoping to stay close to God in a season that's often marked by hustle and bustle and wheeling and dealing and sales and all that and and purchasing gifts, and we can lose our way very quickly. And so this is a resource to keep you anchored in prayer. So downstairs in the book table, these are available for the youth to pick up or to purchase for a friend. And then next week, you're going to hear more about our Christmas offering. Our theme this year is called As You Go, A Life on Mission, and every year we receive a special Christmas offering to continue the work that we're doing at New Life Fellowship Church, and really I want you to be praying this coming week uh, as to what God might have you to to do in response to this Christmas offering. For some of you, uh, you've been at New Life, you've been receiving so much but you've never financially given to the ministry yet in the church. And I want to pray, I want you to pray, if, that's, if you've been in a situation like that, to ask God, what might God have for you to give uh, in this Christmas season? And then for some of you, your regular givers, you support with your generosity, the good work that's happening in our congregation and beyond. And the invitation would be for you to consider giving above and beyond what you regularly give. And so I'll just be praying about that as next week approaches, and you'll hear more about that. Now, today is our, our Thanksgiving testimony uh, service, and over the 32 years at New Life, we've had a Sunday, uh, whether before, Chris, uh, before Thanksgiving or the Sunday after Thanksgiving, to highlight particular stories in our congregation, particular people in our congregation who want to share of God's goodness. Uh, In their lives. And so that's what we want to do. We want to celebrate the grace of God by offering gratitude to God. And there's a relationship between grace and gratitude. It was Karl Barth, the great Swiss theologian, who said that grace and gratitude go together like heaven and earth. Grace comes and then gratitude is to be our our natural response to that grace. And so I want to look at a passage of scripture, a very brief passage of scripture, offer a couple of words. And then you're going to hear from two new lifers, two wonderful, powerful stories of God's grace in their lives. In Psalm 107, you can follow with me on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Let's, let's pray this out together. It's good words to just pray out together. Together, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Amen. In a given day, all of us in this room uh, say thank you. One reason happens, something happens, or another, and we offer the words thank you. Uh, When someone holds the door for you, our response is thank you. When someone offers a seat to you on the subway Uh, We say thank you. When someone compliments you on something that you're wearing, it's common courtesy to say thank you. But here's what I know about thanks, and here's what I know about gratitude. And that is that you could say thank you every day of your life, multiple times in a given day, and yet not have your life and heart shaped by gratitude. You can say thank you every day, but not have your heart shaped by thanksgiving, shaped by gratitude. And so it is at this time of the year where we really focus on gratitude. As a country, as a church, we focus on the blessings of God, the ways that God has met us, the ways that God has provided for us, and to to assess how grateful we truly are. And so to that end, I wanted to offer a very short... Thankful test, a gratitude test for you to take some inventory on how grateful you have been living and what adjustments maybe God would have you to make in this coming week. There are three really simple questions in this gratitude test. The first question is this How much time do you give to comparing? Comparing is often an enemy of gratitude. How much time do you give to comparing your family, your spouse, your car, your apartment, your job, your salary? How much time do you give comparing your life to another person? The other question in this test is how much time do you give to complaining? Uh, Amen. Okay. Uh, How much time do you give to complaining? Because complaining often robs us of the gratitude that God wants to fill our hearts. The third question is, how much time do you give to coveting, to wanting what other people have, and failing to see the gifts that God has already uh, given your way? Now, these are three good questions for us as we move towards Thanksgiving and as we live the rest of our lives, because God wants to mark our lives with thanksgiving and gratitude. And yet, in our world and in our own hearts, this is something very difficult to do. As you know, this week, there is a very confusing 48-hour period in our country, In which on Thanksgiving we gather around the table and we celebrate the gifts that God has given us. We look at our family, we look at our friends and say, look at the gifts that God has given to us. And then midnight comes and uh, Black Friday ensues. And we then look at all the things that we don't have. And seek to have and seek to get. And so in, 20, in 48 hours, there's this culturally uh, confusing time period in which we go, Lord, thank you for everything you've given me. Uh, it is not nearly enough. And so, and so I'm not against Black Friday, and so you'll probably see me at, at, at the mall. Uh, but uh, the goal for our lives is this. Every single day, God wants to shape us a little bit more with gratitude with thanksgiving, that it'll mark our lives. And gratitude very simply is this. It's the knowing awareness that we are recipients of goodness. The knowing awareness that we are recipients of goodness. And the psalmist in Psalm 102, he he pays attention to the gifts of God. And his response to the gifts of God are really twofold. And the, the invitation for us is to hold on to these two words. And I want to offer these two words and then offer the first person who's going to offer a testimony of God's grace to us. The psalmist really has us focus on what it means to recognize and what it means to testify. What it means to recognize and what it means to testify. The psalmist says in the beginning, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And that word love there is the word where we get the word, the phrase covenant faithfulness. Where although we're not faithful to our side of the deal, God is always faithful to God's side of the deal. God is loyal to his covenant towards us. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His covenant loyalty, his loving kindness, his love endures forever. And so the psalmist recognizes all the blessings of what God has given to us. And that's the call for us as well, to recognize. But as the people of God, we just don't stop at recognizing. We have to go to testify to sharing what God has done. And so right after he says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever, he says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Because when when God has been good to us, our job is to tell of his goodness. And whether that means telling at your workplace or telling on social media or telling wherever you're at, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And all of us in this room, we have a story to share. A story of God's goodness and God's mercy in our lives. And this is why we're highlighting testimonies on this Thanksgiving Sunday. What we're going to do is we're going to hear two stories. One from a new lifer named Joseph Thomas and one from another new lifer named Jeanette Felix. And Joseph is going to come up and he's going to share how God has been meeting him over the course of his journey. And after he shares, what we're going to do is we're going to respond in song. We're going to stand and and, and praise God and sing to the Lord for the ways that he is good. The ways that his love endures forever. And then we'll sit back down and then Jeanette will come up and share her own story of God's faithfulness and her life. And then we'll stand again and we'll sing, uh, giving praise to God's goodness. And then I'll come up and I'll close our service. How's that sound? Good, amen. So let's pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to just open our eyes, our ears, and then we'll have Joseph Thomas come to the stage here. Lord, you are good. We want to give thanks to you because you are good and your love endures forever. And Lord, on this Thanksgiving Testimony Sunday, we want to share the ways that you have come to us. And so give us ears to hear, Lord, as we hear the stories from our brother and sister. And may we pay attention to the ways that you're speaking to us on this day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said. Join me in welcoming Joseph Thomas to the stage. Good morning, New Life. How are we?
1: I got to be honest, I I failed the gratitude test miserably. Uh, In fact, my wife and I, we were coveting folks that had uh, Popeye's chicken sandwich. Um, And so uh, we didn't get Popeye's chicken sandwich last night. So I'm coveting y'all that have had uh, the chicken sandwich itself. Um, So uh, again, my name is Joseph Thomas. My wife and I, we've been attending New Life uh, since May of 2018 after uh, we got married. Uh, But before we got married, uh, myself as a bachelor, I was attending New Life uh, since February of 2016. So it's an honor and privileged to be here. So thank you so much for allowing me to share my story with you today. Um, but I do have to be honest, when uh, Pastor Peter Roden asked me to share my story, I was feeling very, very nervous. In fact, uh, I started dodging his emails, phone calls, and texts, and in contemporary terms, I was ghosting him like we went out on a bad date or something. So I was non-existent for a little bit. But you know what? The the challenge that was going on in my mind really was, what is a new life's perception going to be uh, as I share my story? What are you going to be thinking of me as I share my testimony? And it's a challenge that perhaps some of you can relate to where we let the world dictate our identity, our value, and uh, perhaps our worth. And to please the world, uh, what do I often do? I try to make a name for myself. And so last, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Rich uh, touched on this topic alone. And he said, anytime we try to make a name for ourselves, we forfeit the name that God has for us. Only God can give you an identity. But I wrestle with being enough in this world uh, that reminds me daily that I'm not enough, which is a lie. I grew up in a Christian home, uh, but my family endured a dad that uh, struggled with alcohol abuse who who became, quite frankly, angrier as he continued. So uh, it was quite frightening to be at home. My dad didn't know how to connect with his children, so oftentimes he would think that by working and providing food on the table that it was a depiction of love. I got a chance to witness how relationships were fostered, how women closest to him should be viewed as well. There was an order in my household, uh, quite frankly, a rhythm that you just couldn't quite bop your head to. My dad would often call me stupid, uh, which created a complex for me growing up as well. And so in that season, my identity was wrapped completely around the idea that. I needed to perform and do well in school, or how well I spoke English. And so in that season, I called it kind of a condition, performance-based love. But in all this, certainly we were a church-going family. Uh, we just you just couldn't quite tell during the weekdays. My lack of a relationship with my dad created this, this hole in my life, this gap in my life, one that could only be filled Uh, with the love of a father. And so we fast forward to January 1st of 1999 where I gave my life to Jesus Christ at a church retreat. And it was a moment where I got a chance to taste and witness what it was to like or what it was to have a father that I could just run to just as I was. And he was telling me that I was enough. So while I had accepted Jesus uh, at that time, Uh, My relationship with my dad grew difficult more and more difficult because most of my life operated in fear and wanting to show him how good I was And at this time I was about 25 years old August of 2008 the organization that I worked for decided to move down to Florida and man I saw that as my Escape this is it. I'm gonna duck out. I'm gonna ghost It was a moment for me to make a name for myself. And for the next several years, I was completely consumed and wrapped around the idea that my worth and identity was found in my job and title. Perhaps some of you struggle with that today as well. But even in that season, I was quite removed from the Lord. I barely went to church. A community of believers was non-existent in my life. Things that were black and white now started becoming gray I found myself in this relationship that wasn't honoring the Lord, which then snowballed into more poor decisions. And a question I struggled from my childhood slowly started creeping in. Am I good enough? And so what did I do? I started pouring myself into work, and I found myself being in this project group that was going to elevate me at my job, and it was this project group with some aggressive timelines, and I found myself working from 8 a.m. in the morning till 8 p.m. at night. I would go home for about an hour, maybe grab some dinner, then come back to work and maybe work work perhaps till 2 a.m. in the morning, and I found myself doing that for about a year and a half, and so you would think that, hey, uh, you know, coming home at 2 a.m. in the morning, you'd be pretty exhausted, you'd be able to go to sleep. But in fact, that's not quite what happens. Your body starts acclimating to the aggressive schedule that you're putting your body through. And so I found it very difficult to go to sleep. Difficult to the point where I now needed sleeping pills in order to go to sleep. And working that hard, I would forget to uh, perhaps eat breakfast or lunch. So I started losing a tremendous amount of weight. And so at 32 years old, I found myself being 100 pounds As an adult. While it may be difficult for you to see Jesus in this season, it was quite difficult for me to see Jesus as well. But I recognize today that God's hand was all over my life. And something that needed to happen to me for a very long time happened. I was asked to step down from the organization that I work for. About four years ago today, November of 2015, the organization that I worked for just just told me, hey, we don't want you anymore. And so uh, I went through a wave of emotions. I was angry. I was upset. I was sad. And most of all, I was feeling lost. And so, you know, an area in which I normally turn to, I didn't have anymore, so what did I have to turn to? Something that's been so faithful and evident in my life and consistent, and that was... Jesus I turned to Jesus in that time and so things that were important or seemingly important in my mind slowly started being stripped away and here's what God was saying to me in that time God was saying I've called you by name from the very beginning you are mine and I am yours you are my beloved and on you my fever rest I have molded you in the depths of the earth and knitted you together in your mother's womb. Genesis 1:27 says, God created man in his own image. And so I affirm to you today that he didn't create something less than. You are not less than. What a moment of surrender for me. So I committed my life to meeting with Jesus and reading the Bible and not reading the Bible just for the sake of reading the Bible, but reading the Bible to fully comprehend and comprehensively understand who my creator was and ultimately therein forth knowing who I was. A Couple of major things followed in my life shortly thereafter and I believe it was simply because I allowed God to go before me. I applied to hundreds of jobs for the next two and a half months in Florida. Hundreds of jobs in Florida. I got zero interviews in Florida. I applied to one job in New York. Guess what job I got? Yeah, I got that one job in New York. I moved back home to my parents or with my parents, a a space in which once I ran away. And one of the fondest things I remember even to this day coming back home at the end of January of 2016 uh, was the embrace by my father. I was in this space and uh, I had this capacity now to love my dad and give something back from him that I couldn't quite get when I was a child. I met my wife one week after moving to New York as well. Simultaneously choosing new life as my home church. Yes, while I had been walking with the Lord, there were some things I carried with me from my childhood into my relationships. I remember going on a date with my wife, my girlfriend at the time, it was our fifth date. My wife is a psychiatrist, and so uh, when I first started dating my wife, I'd be very skeptical of her questions. <laughs> very, very skeptical. I always thought there was something deeper into, hey, how are you doing today? I'd be like, why do you ask? (laughs) What are you really trying to find out? Or she would say, hey, how are you? Hello, I'd be like, hello? And so anything that that essentially came out of her mouth, I would overanalyze, but it was in this space I realized how emotionally immature I was. Thankfully, I was committed to a community, a body of believers with a deep uh, sense and understanding what it means to be a follower of Jesus that applied emotionally healthy spirituality. We hear about EHS all the time at church. And so what I wanted to ultimately find out and fundamentally know was, why do I do the things that I do? And so through the encouragement of my wife, we took EHS at the beginning of the year. And I learned a fundamental fact, and it's really the, the depiction of my testimony uh, what, and what God does, that it's critical to go back in order to go forward. So here's, here's three things out of uh, uh, taking emotional, healthy, spirituality that I learned as well. The blessings and sins of our families going back two or three generations profoundly impact who we are today. Discipleship requires putting off the sinful patterns of our family origin and relearning how to do life God's way in God's family. And the third thing, family patterns from our past are played out in our present relationships without us necessarily being aware of it. Come on now. Let me share some good news with you. All right, you ready for this? Let me share some good news with you. What has gone before you is not your destiny. Your family origin does not dictate or determine your future. (laughs) Thank God for that. So here's some truths as I close with you today. Even as we sinners... Christ died for us, and his grace is sufficient. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, you can come just as you are. Psalm 34, 18, he's near you in the depths. And the last thing, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do, Ephesians 2.10.
2: Oh, I need your grace More than my words can say Jesus I come Jesus I come In all my weaknesses You are my confidence Jesus I Jesus. Uh-huh. Yes, I
3: My name's Jeanette Felix and I'm here to give testimony to how amazing our God is and how he's been carrying me through a, a trial for the last six months a trial that's called breast cancer first allow, allow me to tell you a couple of things about myself I grew up on a dairy farm in Lancaster County Pennsylvania and in a strong Christian Mennonite home, and I'm really, really proud of that heritage. Jesus called me and I accepted him as my personal savior at the young age of 11. I'm married with one son who's completing his college degree in computer science at Stony Brook. I first came to New Life Fellowship 22 years ago. Those were in the days when Uh, Pastor Pete was giving the original sermons for the emotionally healthy spirituality before there were any books or tapes or courses. I am co-founder of Children in Need Haitian Project, along with my Haitian husband. It's a mission that has a Christian school high in the mountains southeast of Port-au-Prince. We currently have 175 students in grades preschool through junior high. As a just quick aside, please pray for Haiti. Uh, the country has been in such turmoil in the last, uh, and it has peaked in the last couple of months, to the effect that it has affected businesses. Many businesses are closed or work on limited hours. Um, schools in, in the cities have been closed since September. Thankfully, our school, because it's out in the country and because of the dedication of our staff, has uh, has remained open. Uh, I am a pediatric registered nurse and most of my career I specialized in pediatric intensive care unit and then pediatric cardiac catheterization lab and currently pediatric cardiology at Cohen Children's Hospital in Long Island. So I want to tell you about God's faithfulness during this uh, most recent trial of breast cancer and my hope is that you will be encouraged to trust God and to look to him and not just to look to him but to look for him in the midst of your circumstances, whether they be dark or encouraging. There's something that happened to me about 13 years ago that directly ties into one of the ways that God reassured me and spoke to me during this particular trial. In 2006, we sold our home in New York City and pulled up all routes and we moved to Haiti. And there we built a beautiful home where we could host mission teams and manage the mission school. So after arriving in Haiti, let me ask you something. Uh, Has this ever happened to you? You step out in faith, you hear God calling, you step out in faith, and you kind of go out on a limb. And when you get out on that limb, all of a sudden you're like, this limb is a little bit shakier than I thought it was gonna be and it doesn't feel like there's much under me you know that's that's the way I felt when I first moved to Haiti and during that time uh, I just want to say I want to you know really really thank God because he is that support who is under that limb that he calls us to go out on he is there and he is real so it was in this context that God showed me his faithfulness in a very practical and unusual way in Haiti. So I was desperate to hang on to God, feeling you know out of place in, in a country, in a culture I didn't know very well. And I was forced to slow down. Uh, it is the Caribbean, and the Caribbean forces you to slow down. You can't get things done the way you think you want to get them done. It just doesn't happen. And I started practicing prayer and silence in the presence of God. And I would do it every day. I would go out on my patio and in, the, in the mountains, beautiful mountains in Haiti, fresh mountain air. And I keenly realized that I heard no birds, just were no birds around there. I mean, even in the most congested areas of New York City, you, you hear sparrows, you see pigeons, you hear, hear some kind of birds, right? So I kind of asked God for an unusual request. I asked him to send birds. And even when I asked him, it, I sort of felt like this is kind of a stupid prayer and does God care about sending me birds, you know? But guess what he did? The first bird he sent was a mockingbird. A mockingbird with 30 different songs and, uh, uh, of different, uh, the same calls of different uh, birds that actually drew more birds there because of, of that mocking bird and after that many many birds came hawks and beautiful uh, colorful migratory birds came through so even to this day whenever I hear a bird I just say in my heart thank you Lord thank you because you heard my minuscule prayer and <laughs> In the, in the midst of all and all that he does and he answered it and he showed that he was there with me and he showed his faithful to me faithfulness to me so let's forward to spring uh, of this year the first phone call I received after a routine mammogram though was that I needed to come back for an ultrasound and a diagnosis and I knew what that meant um, and of course my mind went to the worst-case scenario so I when I took that call, it was in the middle of, uh, it was in an empty exam room, I was at work. And I walked out of the exam room and a couple of minutes later I heard this noise in that exam room and I, and I walked in. It was a noise at the, uh, on the window. And this is what I saw. I think God was trying to get my attention, what do you think? <laughs> he stayed there a long time and I haven't seen a Baltimore Oriole in years. I, you know, uh, growing up we used to see him in Pennsylvania a lot but I haven't seen a Baltimore Oriole in years. So the second bad news phone call that I received was about a week to 10 days later and that was that the biopsies were positive for invasive ductal cancer. And again, I was at work, and I was in a different exam room, and one of the parents of the child that I was examining said, what's that noise? And she pulls back the blind, and the same bird was there pecking on the window and chirping and chirping and, chirping and, and, and praising God and telling me again that God is with you and everything is going to be okay. It was a message direct from God to me. Then the third bad news phone call I got was again. I was working um, in the hospital office, and uh, I was told that they found another area of of cancer, and that now my procedure was going to go from a lumpectomy to a mastectomy. So for lunch that day, I had the opportunity to go outside. It was a beautiful day, and we have a little like reflection garden in the in the back for employees and. I was sitting there praying, and guess what? Yep, you guessed. God sent a mockingbird. The mockingbird was singing like crazy. I counted 30 different sounds that that mockingbird made and was like 10 feet from me. So God is faithful, and he shows us in in many different ways, and I encourage you to, to look for the ways that God is trying to speak to you in your everyday life. In the minuscule things around you, in your trials, in your um, happinesses. So here are the things that I am some things that I'm especially thankful for uh, in these last few months. God's faithfulness and how He demonstrates His faithfulness to me, His strong sense of presence with me, the strong sense that God is with me. I'm also thankful that these aberrant cells were discovered early and so although I needed a mastectomy I did not have to have chemo or radiation and I was so thankful for that. So I just want to put in a plug for uh, free mammograms are going to be held here at the church December 7th the information's in your bulletin you have to register but ladies if you're due don't put it off. And one of the verses in Psalms uh, that, uh, that God showed me was 139 verse 12, that even what goes on in the darkness is light to him. Nothing's hidden that, that, that he doesn't know about, and he brings it to light, and this is what he did for me in time. Now, the thing that I'm thankful for is that these circumstances intensified my dependence on God, on His Word and on His promises. I would just, you know, the enemy tries to tell you so many things and I just would put in my earphones and I'd listen to the Bible, I'd listen to praise and worship music, and that spoke so much to me. Uh, and uh, just, I think was part of the setting of, of this... Um, peace, this inexplicable peace, that that peace that passes all understanding that God put within me and all around that time. I literally felt carried by that peace, and especially in those early months. I was thankful that God gave me opportunities to proclaim my faith in him and talk about the importance of prayer with my co-workers and you know, you can kind of get away with talking about prayer and people say, yeah, I'll pray for you or I'm thinking about you and, and, uh, and kind of get away with like slipping God in there a little bit more than usual when you have an illness. And so I kind of took advantage of that situation. <laughs> um, people were not so defensive as they might have been if I had not been ill, All right. So I was also aware that they were watching me and I, and, and I believed that they could see the peace of God and see a reflection of God, um, in me, uh, and, and to see how I would handle this situation. So I'm thankful for that opportunity. I'm also so thankful for God's people, my new life fellowship, prayer partners, my family, and my friends, all of you play such an important role. I had so many people praying for me. Uh, I, I, when people say, I'll pray for you, I'd write down their names, right? And I had a list of over 100, and then they said, well, we're going to tell our, our Bible study group, our small group, to pray for you. So there were many, many more than that. And I'm so, so thankful, and I felt your prayers. In fact, uh, one, of, one of the ladies told me, she goes, we're going to pray that there's going to be so many angels in that operating room that there won't even hardly be room for the surgeons. <laughs> so I thought that's a, that's a good picture to remember going into surgery. And um, the other thing that I'm really thankful for is that God arranged two surprise encounters between uh, estranged family members of mine because of my illness. They both came to visit me at the same time, you know, unbeknownst to each other. And think about that, you know, how God orchestrated that. And who would think that a nasty illness like breast cancer could set the stage and break the ice for healing in those relationships. That is our God. That is our God who brings good out of things that are not good. He wants to and he can do this and he can do even more miracles in your life and in my life. So I just encourage you just allow him to do his work and look for him in it.
0: Thank God for Joseph and Jeanette. And give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. I want to invite our prayer team to come to my left, and invite those who are going to offer the bread and the cup to come to my right. As we heard those stories today, I imagine that some of you, most of us, all of us, uh, can resonate. It felt as if Joseph and Jeanette were playing the role of that bird, just trying to get our attention and reminding us. God saying, I see you. I know where you're at. I know the struggles that you're, you're experiencing, the, the, the problems that you're enduring. And today is God's message to us to say, I'm watching you. I'm with you. I'm for you. For some of us, we are battling with our sense of identity. Who am I? Who am I really on the inside? And we have so many false selves that we've tried to create to make a name for ourselves, failing to see that it is only God who can give us the name that our hearts truly long for. And so as I heard Joseph speak, I, I imagine some of you in this room, you're longing for love and you've been doing so much to try to earn the love, not knowing that the love of God is free. The love of God is for you. The love of God, uh, no matter where you're at in life, God is, loves you with an everlasting love and, and, and he wants to pour out that love on you. This is why we celebrate Jesus Christ and what Christ has done on our behalf. And then some of you, I imagine you're suffering, you're in pain. or Maybe you have a relative that's suffering or in pain and you just needed to be reminded that no, God is with you. God said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I love how Jeanette said it, we just don't look to God, we look for God, for the ways that God is coming to us and revealing himself even in the midst of difficulty. And so we have our prayer team here to pray for you wherever you're at in life. Some of you, you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've never said yes to follow him, to receive him, to receive him as Savior, as Lord, to say, I want to follow you. I want to change the direction of my life to follow it. And if you're sensing that in your heart today, we want to pray for you. Our prayer team is here. We, we want to welcome you into the family of God if you've never made that decision before. And then for some of you, you just need to be reminded that God is with you. That in a given week for some of us, when Thanksgiving comes, it, it reminds us of, of all the joy that God has blessed us with and the gifts that God has blessed us with. And, but then Thanksgiving is also in the holiday season, a time where pain comes to the surface, where grief comes to the surface as well. And so whether you're experiencing grief or joy, pain or healing, we want to pray for you. And so our prayer team is here. And then too, we come to receive the bread and the cup, we are thankful ultimately for Jesus Christ and for his death on the cross, his resurrection. And so when we come and we take the bread and we dip it in the cup, we are saying we have been recipients of goodness, goodness in the love of God through Jesus Christ. And so whether you come for the bread and the cup, whether you come for prayer, as the Lord leads you, feel free to respond. Now, Joseph and Jeanette will be downstairs in the lobby area. Many of you just want to shake their hands or give them an embrace because of the ways that God spoke to them. And so they'll be down in the lobby to greet you. But as we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And if you're watching online, right where you're at as well, you can open up your hands to receive. We close our gatherings in this posture of receiving, reminding us that gratitude is a knowing awareness that we are the recipients of goodness. And our hands are open to say, Lord, would you continue to pour out goodness in our lives so that we might offer it to the world around us. And so with your hands and your hearts in the posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness to the goodness of God in your life. And may gratitude and thanksgiving fill your heart this week as you think back on all the ways that God has blessed you. And may your life be an extension of that grace to the world around you. May God fill you with his grace. And may you be an instrument of that grace this week. I bless you all and strong in the beautiful and the resurrected name of Jesus Christ. And everyone
4: said, amen. amen. Grace and peace, you all.